High Desert Word Center. How are we doing on a Sunday morning? That was, I'm going to be honest, that was a little weak. I'm going to need better than that. How are we doing on a beautiful fall time Sunday morning? Amen. We've got Thanksgiving coming up right around the corner. And so uh, you know what's happening next week, our Thanksgiving service. We're going to have some details for you here in just a few minutes on that. But stay tuned, stay posted. We've got a lot going on. Uh, I've got a few announcements for you this morning. The first one is this. Now, hold on to your seats because some of you have really been waiting for this. The coffee bar is open again. It is open. Now, we're mainly just serving drinks, and uh, uh, we're not cooking anything, just some pre-packaged, individually wrapped stuff. But anyway, uh, everyone's been waiting for that moment. We'll get a few tables out there the next week or so. But the coffee bar is back open. And so, hey, now listen, some of you have been dozing off during church. Once you get that coffee back, I don't want to see that anymore, all right? I'm not going to point fingers. You know who you are. It's between you and God and me, all right? And so... Another one right here is this, and we haven't been able to do this all year long, but we are having membership class coming up, all right? I know there's plenty of people that have been wanting to go through membership class. That's starting, uh, that's going to be Sunday night, December 6th. Sunday night, December 6th, uh, at starting at 4 o'clock, probably go to from about 4 to 7. And so uh, we will have a sign-up sheet out there. We're not going to pass it down the aisle or anything, but we'll get one back there at the info booth. If you have not become a member yet and you want to, this is your chance to go ahead and sign up. And, and membership, you know, they're like, well, what's the big deal with that? Well, this is your chance to say, you know what, I found my church, my church family, and you know what? We're going to make it official. We're going to put a ring on the finger. We're going to we're gonna uh, make this commitment, all right? So um, that's going to be December 6th. And then I'm getting ready to have Miss Katie talk about the Thanksgiving dinner. But um, let me tell you this. We have a Christmas party. Who likes Christmas parties? Hang on. A Christmas party, uh, November 29th, okay? This is for the uh, Lyft family group. Uh, it's called our Christmas came early party and it's going to be November the 29th and we're having a, a, a gifts exchange. The limit is $1. I'll let Katie talk about this. I'm going to help him with that. So uh, it is Christmas came early. Yes, a microphone. Praise the Lord. There we go. Yes. So Christmas came early is something that we have done for three or four years. If you have been to a Christmas came early party, raise your hand. All like six of you. Okay, so you should go this year. It's really fun. So what you do is you bring cookies, and obviously at this point you're going to have to buy the cookies because you can't make the cookies and bring them from home. But we're going to have cookies, and we'll provide the drinks, and you're going to bring a gift to exchange. So adults, your limit is $5.00. And the kids is a $1, okay? And what we do is we do just a big Christmas came early party so we can get excited for December and celebrate Jesus. So that's going to be really great. We also are going to decorate the church early for you. So it'll be all Christmassy in here. And we've been having family nights on Sunday night. And so that is going to be our very last family night. And we want everyone to come. If you call this your church family, then you should be here for the Christmas came early family night. Praise the Lord. All right. So let's talk about 
about Thanksgiving. Are you feeling fallish? Are you feeling fallish? I'm really excited about it. So we finally, 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 finally got an answer, and we've been trying to get it catered so that we're COVID correct. So it's going to be fully catered, which means for the first time in my HDWC history, and probably in yours, you don't have to serve anything or make anything. You just come. So that's really, really amazing. So what they're going to provide for us is they're going to provide people to serve, to set up, all that. And they're going to provide green chili, rice and beans, chicken fajitas, cheese enchiladas, and a salad, and lemonade and iced tea. Yeah, so it's the whole whole deal there, which, praise God, is an amazing thing. Here's what I need to tell you. We're a church family, and as a family, Thanksgiving costs. So what I don't want to do is tell each of you, okay, buy tickets at the back door, because not everyone here can buy tickets. But some families, like ours, we can buy more tickets than what our family needs. So I'm going to talk to you about that whole cost here in a second. But what I want to talk to you first about is tithing. I want to talk to you first about why that's even important. And I presume that there would be a pin here, but this is going to get a little awkward for a second, okay? So we're rolling like youth group. It's Bible story time, okay? So get your Bibles out and listen to me. And if I see you on your phone, I'm going to take it. Okay, that's how we roll. All right, so if I drop this, if I let go of it, what happens? It falls. Anybody know why? Gravity. That's how that works, right? That's how this works. It's gravity. That doesn't change for Pastor Dave because he's more holy than me. And that doesn't change for you or anyone else. Gravity works the same for every person all the time. True story? Okay. So now we're going to turn. Thank you, Ellie. We're going to turn to Genesis 14. Yes, praise the Lord. And there's a law, uh, a biblical study law that goes into effect here. This is the first time that tithing is mentioned. And it's extremely important because at this point, we're talking about Abraham. These are all, this section of scriptures, all the stories about Abraham, who is the father of faith. What happened here is his family moved away. He moved to one place and they were just too big. They were running out of space. It was getting cramped. So his nephew who was living with him moves away. And in moving away, he got himself into a place that he probably shouldn't have been living. Wasn't the greatest area. So there becomes a war going on, breaks out where he lives. And so they capture his nephew Lot. So Abraham's nephew Lot has now been captured by an enemy, not only an enemy, but five kings and their armies. So Abraham gathers people from his household and he goes to fight a family battle against five kings and all their armies. It doesn't look good in the natural, right? So he goes out with just his household, which happens to be quite large. Anybody got a big family? Yeah. So sometimes that big family, when they go on the rampage to handle some business, 
you better look out, right? So it ought to be that way with your spiritual family. So here we are with Abraham and his household going to fight a battle. And guess what? Righteousness wins every time. So Abraham wins. And then what happens next is really, really cool. He gets everything back and everybody's safe and sound and he's won that battle. And here in Genesis 14, verse 18, it says, And Melchizedek, the king of Salem, king of righteousness, king of peace is what that means. This is a picture of what Jesus will be for us. Okay, this is a man of God who comes out to him. Now, mind you, when you read about Melchizedek, man didn't die either. He just went went to heaven. He just disappeared. So he still lives. Great example of Jesus. Jesus is alive. So Melchizedek, the king of Salem, a priest of God most high, brought Abram some bread and wine. Now, this is not the man of God feeding some guy after battle. This is the man of God caring for him after a battle. Look at that. How many times has your church family or your pastor come and cared for you during a battle, after a battle? They come and they refresh you. They come and they hold up your arms. They come and they help restore you. They're there for you. Then it says, Melchizedek blessed Abraham with this blessing. Blessed be Abraham by God most high, creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has defeated your enemies for you. He blessed him. How many times has that happened in your life? And this is your home. What happens next? Then Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods he had recovered. Now, did this man of God say, you owe me a tenth? No. Was there a church family that he said, okay, well, the, the electric bill at church needs your money, so you, you need to give your tithe? No. Was this a club where he paid his dues? No. This was Abraham and the man of God recognizing that God provided the victory. God provided all of the provision for him. This is God providing and Abram realizing that God was his source and giving it to him to honor him. We have to realize this. Tithing is not your church job. Tithing is not because we need to turn the lights on and we need your money. Tithing is an opportunity between you and God for you to recognize that he's your source, for you to recognize that he's your provider. And tithing is not the same as you giving $10 in the offering. Now, if your tithe's $10, if it's 10%, then great. But if you're bucket plunking, which means you're just throwing something in the offering because you happen to be at church, that's not the same. It's not the same. The goal is for you and God to be together on this, for you to recognize the battles that he's helped you win, and for you to honor him with every part of your life, including money. It's an opportunity. It's also a spiritual principle. So that spiritual principle is like gravity. It works the same for everyone all the time. 
Abraham was one of the most blessed people in all of the Bible. These men that he went out to fight that battle with from his household, 318 men, only men, 318 within his household. Imagine being able to feed all those mouths, provide all for that, have a house big enough for all that, tents big enough for all that, jobs for all of them. He was very well off. God provided for him and blessed him. Tithing is a spiritual principle. When you do it, God opens the windows of heaven for you. He rebukes the devourer for you. Now, don't lie to yourself and say when you're bucket plunking that you're a tither. It's not the same. Do you see what I'm saying? If, if I am flying in a hot air balloon and I'm floating up, I can't say that gravity is the same because I'm pulling against it. If I'm flying in an airplane, I'm pulling against it. It's not the same unless you're actually tithing. The windows of heaven are open for you when you have that relationship with the Lord where you recognize him as your source and your provider. You honor him with the very best and that you give a tithe out of honor to him. You with me on that? It's a spiritual principle. Okay, so next let's talk about, let's talk about it's being Mission Sunday. Mission Sunday, we've got all kinds of missionaries that are doing awesome, amazing things. And I, I don't even have time to go into all of those stories, but Brian Besser is doing awesome, awesome, awesome. Um, Julius is doing really well in India and Pacific justice is rocking it in California. Praise God. There is all kinds of stuff they're standing up for. So praise the Lord for mission Sunday. Don't forget that it's not your tithe. It's an offering, right? Abraham also gave offerings. Y'all need to go read some Genesis. Next thing I want to take you to is another verse. And this is what we're going to talk about. Thanksgiving Galatians six verse 10. Galatians 6, 10. Galatians 6 is talking about practical life, how to treat other people, how to live right, live morally. So this isn't a giving scripture. This is a family scripture. This is just a life scripture. In Galatians 6, verse 10, it says, therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, anytime it's presented before us, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. I'm going to read that to you again. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. About this time of year, every year, we get phone calls of, hey, I, I want to give a gift card, or hey, I want to bless a family in need. And we all start to realize, wow, we do have it pretty good. We do really have really good lives, and God has really done a lot for us. And we start to be thankful, and we start to realize that there's been times in our life that we haven't been in that position, that we haven't been so comfortable. But I'll also tell you, man, in our church family this year, wow, the things that God has done, the ways that we've been able to have church, that God's just opened doors and provided for things, it's been awesome. So this Thanksgiving meal is not about us having another church pitch-in dinner. It's about us getting together as a family and thanking God for all that he's done, valuing each other, 
I'm so grateful for you. I'm so grateful that God called you into our family. Each one of you, I can tell stories and stories and stories on, I love you so much. And I want everyone here to be part of this Thanksgiving dinner. I don't want anyone to feel like, oh, well, I I can't pay for it this year. I can't. Pastor Dave and I have been in those positions. Pastor and Miss P have been in those positions where there's a church thing and you can't go because you just can't afford it. So this year I want everyone to go. So what I'm asking you is this. I don't want to sell tickets. I want to tell you how much it is, and I want us to meet that need. The same as when we have a guest speaker who gives the word of God to you, and you guys are so grateful for the word of God that you bless them over and above. I want you to think of our church family that way, that you're so grateful for them that we can bless everyone and make it happen. So it's going to cost $14 a person, which comes out to about $2,100 for it to be for all of us. There's not a separate kid price, which stinks, but I'm not the one making the prices. And I did negotiate. So I need to ask for you this morning not to rob your tithe. And if your tithe is all you have to give, then you do that. But if you can give towards Thanksgiving, if you can bless another family, it costs $14 a person for each person in your family. And if you can give above and beyond that, that would be awesome. So if you're doing missions today, there's a missions option on your envelope. But also, if you're doing Thanksgiving, make sure to clearly mark that. There's an other line that you can write Thanksgiving in, or you can just write Thanksgiving big on the top of your envelope. But I want us to have a family dinner together. I love you, and I know you love me. So we'll get together, and we'll have an amazing Thanksgiving. And I believe that we can meet that this morning and just get it handled. And I can call and say, oh, it's all done, and, and get everything ordered. I love you, and I appreciate you. And so, yes, yes. I, now, I, I just want to say a few words really quick, too, all right? Um, but... This is one of the most special times of the year, right, for, for families and for church families. And for us at High Desert, man, this is this every year. We have a big dinner together at Thanksgiving and Christmas. And first of all, I'm not letting any diseases or anything, you know, stop us from doing what we are going to do as a church family, right? I mean, you know, we're, we're taking precautions and all that fun stuff. But this is, it, it, and let me say this. It's not about the food, okay? It's not about the food. It's about the family. Now, I really, I saw some faces when we said it's going to be, you know, Mexican food. And listen, I, it, come on. It's not about the food. <laughs> listen, it, it, you know, here in Barstow, so how many, there's not a lot of caterers that are going to come and do turkey for 200 people and, and it not be out the roof. This is the best thing that, that we were able to work together. And I'm fine if it's enchiladas, rice, and be, I, because it's not about the food to me, okay? And for one, I live in Barstow, so I'm at least half Mexican at this point. It's been 13 years, all right? Hopefully it doesn't offend anybody, but I feel like I've at least earned my way somewhat into I've got a foot in the door on that, all right? So, but, but, so, but, so just, you know, get, get past that and, and realize that this is about having time together as a family. And more than any other year that I can remember in my years of existence, 
this is the year that I want to especially give thanks to God. This is the year that I especially want to be together with my family more than I ever have before. And so this is a special year, no doubt about it, all right? So anyway, just like Katie said, I want everybody there, okay? And, and, and it, it would absolutely crush my heart if there was somebody in this family that said, well, I, I, I want to go, but I don't think we can. That would crush me. Everybody, we want you to be there. If it's a hardship, there's going to be some giving X. People have already come up to me this morning before this and said, God laid it on my heart because I want everybody to be at Thanksgiving dinner this year. And that's what I say. I want everybody to be at our Thanksgiving dinner this year, okay? So, you know, do your part. And if you're having trouble, we're, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen, all right? We love you guys so much. We are a family, and we're going to have Thanksgiving together this Sunday as a family. Amen? All right. Last comment, um, that if you are giving online, I tried to set up a fund and it didn't work, okay? So there should be a fund on there that says Thanksgiving. And if there's not, give it into guest speaker, okay? Leanne's going, no, there's not. Okay, so I failed. Love me anyway. Give it into guest speaker so that we can separate it out from regular tithes and offerings, okay? Let's do our financial faith confession. Praise God. We are not bucket plunkers. All right, let's say this together. Who's glad that you speak words of faith over your finances? I mean, come on. I want Jesus involved in every area of, of my life, all right? So let's go ahead and speak this together, and then we're going to have an absolutely incredible time of praise and worship. Who's ready to praise God today? I came to praise God. Did you come to praise God? I came to hear the word of God today. Did somebody come to hear the word of God? All right, let's go ahead and stand up together. Now, if you didn't get an envelope, the ushers have some in the buckets there. They can grab one. You can grab one from them. But let's go ahead. I want to stand up together, and we're going to speak some words of faith over our giving, and we are going to praise the Lord together. Let's say this. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth and business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings that increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go. All right, when you're done dropping off your tithes and offerings, stay standing and uh, join us in praise and worship. We're rising up from the ashes, no longer bound by chains. You gave your life for freedom. Thank you. We're coming out of the shadows. Your glory tore through the veil. And now your light shines upon us. Cause we are free, we are yours. To God be the glory now and forever. Sing, my soul. To God be the glory now and forever. 
been washed in the river. You turn our sorrow to joy. Thank you, Lord. And now we're singing your praises. Because we are free, we are yours. To God be the glory now and forever. Sing my song. To God be the glory now and forever. Sing my song. To God be the glory now and forever. Sing my song. To God be the glory. Cause we are free, we are yours, to God be the glory now and forever, sing my soul.
Let's raise our hands for a minute this morning. Who knows that the battle belongs to the Lord? Come on, somebody. This isn't my battle. This isn't my fight. If it was my fight, I wouldn't be that confident. But this is not my fight. The battle belongs to the Lord. In 1 Samuel 17, when David was facing Goliath, Goliath was throwing all these insults. He was throwing all this smack and all this trash at David. And David said, you're coming to me with a sword and a spear and an entire army, but I'm coming at you in the name of the Lord of hosts, whom you have defied. The battle is the Lord's. And you better know that this morning, the battle that you are facing, if you'll let it be the Lord's battle, you're going to turn out all right. It's going to be okay. You know, have you ever heard somebody's, you know, somebody's like, you're going to take me down, you and what army? I feel like saying, me and this army, right? The armies of heaven are what's coming after you. Don't ask me that question, all right? And so this morning as we move forward, I want you, whatever the battle it is that you're fighting right now, whatever the burdens are that you brought in, you need to be able to say, like David said, the battle is the Lord's. Amen. I'm going to show up. I'm still going to show up and do my part. But ultimately, the battle is the Lord's. Let's give the Lord a shout of praise this morning. If you believe that. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, you can be seated. Praise the Lord. Now, I don't know if you're going to stay seated because we're fixing to have a good time at church today. I feel like it's just going to be one of those days. All right. So praise God. Man, who's glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Oh, my gosh. I am so thankful to be at church, to be in church, to be in God's house with God's people, reading God's word, doing it all for our Father. Amen. And so uh, today, the title of the message is this. Don't forget to remember. Don't forget to remember. Now, people always speculate, you know, about, well, the, the biggest problem facing America today is this. The biggest problem with the body of Christ today is this. The biggest problem with this generation is this. And I'm sure you could come up with all sorts of different issues, all sorts of different things that face us today. But I believe that one of the biggest problems that faces us today is memory loss. Some short-term memory, some long-term memory. Now, you know, maybe some of the older people are like, hey, man, I heard that. And some of the younger people, I don't know what he's talking about. But there is an issue facing Christians all over the world, and it's this memory loss. It's people forgetting what God has already done for them before. Now, that's a dangerous spot to be in, as we're going to see here in a second. But I want you to look at an opening verse here, Isaiah 46 and verse 9. Isaiah 46 and verse 9. We are going to dig into God's word today, and we are going to see some things that will change your life. Who would like for your life to get a whole lot better after you leave here today? I mean, I, I don't come to church just so I can leave the same way I came. I want changed. I want to be better than how I used to be. I want, even if it means I was wrong on something, tell me I'm wrong so I can fix it. Don't lie to me and tell me I'm doing everything right when I'm not. I want to be what Jesus wants me to be. And so Isaiah 46 and verse 9, it says, Remember the things I have done in the past. For I alone am God. I am God, and there is none like me. Have you ever met anybody else like God? 
I've never met anybody like him. Now, I've met people that have some of his qualities, and I strive every single day to be more and more like him. But he said right here, you better remember the things that I've done in the past. I alone am God. I am God, and there is none like me. There is nobody like God. There is nobody that's done anywhere near as much for me as God Almighty has, and that's why I care about his opinion a lot more than I care about your opinion. You know, we're all caught up, well, the majority of people say this, and and these people over here think this. I don't care what they think. They've not done anything for me. I care what God thinks because he saved my life. He healed me of cancer. He gave me a wife and kids. He gave me a church. He brought me out of the ditch. I care what he has to say, but everybody else, I don't care so much. There is none like him, and I will never forget the things that he has done in my life. And so every single one of us, hopefully in here, can think of a time when God rescued us, when God saved us or provided for us when we were in a super bad situation. And in fact, I I would venture to say most of us can not only think of one time that God came through, we can think of several times that God came through. And there is no doubt, there is times that you would not have made it on your own. But God, God came through, and he, sometimes it may have been in crunch time, it may have been the fourth quarter, but Jesus showed up, and he made a way where there seemed to be no way. Now, unfortunately, what we see time and time again, and this is a major issue, in the face of time, or in the face of another storm, or or maybe times are good now, whatever the case is, people tend to forget the things that God has done for them in the past, the things that he's already brought them through, the battles that they have already won. And that's a dangerous spot to be in. In fact, why is it? Well, God just said right there, remember the things I have done in the past. That's, That's reason enough for me right there to say, me remembering what God's already done is a really big deal because he straight up told me, You better remember the things that I have done in the past, for I alone am God. There is nobody like him, and you better never forget that. You better always remember that, that he is the one and only. And so, whatever it is we're facing today, how many of you in here right now, you're alive? Roughly 40% of the people sitting up right in this room are alive. Thank God. Now, I never wanted to go to a dead church, but, you know, whatever. So some of you are like, you got, you got oxygen coming. Okay, so listen, you're alive. That tells me one thing. You have survived 100% of the bad days and rough seasons that you have faced so far. You haven't met the one to take you down yet. You're still kicking. You're still alive, and I give God the glory for that. And so that tells me whatever I'm facing right now, I'm going to make it through this one too. Amen? So today is a good day to be in the house of the Lord, and we're going to study some of this out. We're going to look at what happens when you forget what Jesus has already done for you. Let's pray together this morning. We're going to get into God's Word. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for the chance to come and to open our Bibles and hear the Word of God. Lord, we're not here to 
hear the word of me or the word of somebody else. We're here to hear the word of God. Speak to us today, Lord. If you need to correct us, if you need to discipline us a little bit, you have full permission to do it because if we're wrong, we want to know it so we can be right. And God, if you just need to encourage us, encourage us, whatever it is that you need to do today, Lord, I pray that you have your way in the mighty name of Jesus. Can somebody say amen? So we're going to look at a few things that happen when you forget what Jesus has done for you. Number one, you become fearful. When you forget what Jesus has already done for you, you become fearful. You have a bad situation show up, and you're afraid of it. Now, I can tell you this much. If you're someone that consistently has on your mind all the things God's already done, when the big bad wolf shows up to huff and puff and blow your house down, you're not really afraid. You're like, oh, this again? Come on. I remember last time what Jesus did. This is, I know, what's this guy thinking this time? But if you're somebody that doesn't remember what Jesus did for you before, when the devil shows up to huff and puff, you actually get scared. Is that him? I mean, right, Mike? You know what I'm talking about? That, that happens, and, and when we forget what Jesus has done, we become fearful. Let's look at a story here in Mark chapter 8. Let's flip over to Mark chapter 8. And we're going to look at verses 16 through 21. Mark chapter 8, verses 16 through 21. And I'm telling you right now that this word is for somebody here today. You need to hear what we're getting ready to look at. Mark chapter 8, and we're going to look at verses 16 through 21. And here's a story of Jesus and the disciples crossing to the other side of the lake there, crossing to the other side of the waters. And something kind of, I mean, this is an ironic story to me. I've shared it many times, and I'm sure you've read it in Scripture many times. But a very ironic story that we're getting ready to look at. Mark chapter 8, and we're going to look here at verses 16 through 21. And so they're crossing to the other side of the lake. And, and, and look at this, verse 16, it says, As at this they began to argue with each other because they hadn't brought any bread. It's like, oh, man, here we are. We've already left shore. Peter, did you bring the bread? No, I didn't bring it. John, did you bring Andrew, where's the bread? You mean to tell me nobody brought the bread? And so they're arguing with each other, as these guys are prone to do. Jesus knew what they were saying, so he said, Why are you arguing about having no bread? Of all the things to argue about, bread is not one of them. And so why are you arguing about having no bread? Don't you know or understand even yet are your hearts too hard to take it in? You have eyes, can't you see? You have ears, can't you hear? Don't you remember anything at all? And I feel like God's saying that to some people today. Don't you remember anything at all? You're going to seriously worry and argue about that situation right now? Don't you remember anything at all? If you were to rewind to the beginning of, of Mark chapter 8, they just saw Jesus feed 4,000 people with seven loaves of bread. And here they are arguing, we don't have enough bread. What's going to happen, Jesus? He said, don't you remember anything at all? When I fed the 5,000 with five loaves of bread, how many baskets of leftovers did you pick up afterward? Twelve, he said. Well, how many disciples are on the boat? Twelve. I mean, come on, each guy walked away with at least one full basket of leftovers. And if you come where I come from, you appreciate leftovers. Somebody say amen. I grew up in a big family with brothers that could eat like horses, all right? 
You were lucky to get round one sometimes, let alone leftovers. And here, each guy got a full basket of leftovers out of this deal, and they're arguing about bread. Verse 20, and what about when I fed the 4,000 with seven loaves? That was just like hours ago. How many large baskets of leftovers did you pick up? Well, seven, they said. Don't you understand yet, he asked them. So Jesus, as you can tell, was pretty frustrated in this situation because these guys were arguing, well, we, what are we going to do? The, they're afraid and fearful and upset about not having any bread. And they've got Jesus Christ in the boat with him, the guy that is the bread master. Come on. In fact, Jesus is so good with bread that he literally said in John 6, 35, I am the bread of life. If, if you're worried, if, if, if there's anything to not worry about with Jesus in the boat, it's about a bread issue. That's like, I mean, hang on, hang on, hang on. Imagine this. Imagine this with me, okay? So, okay, you've got bread with you right there. The bread of life, and so what am I going to do? Can you tell me how to get some bread? I need bread. I'm worried about bread. I don't know where I'm going to get bread. Could you help me with bread? And you're, you're saying it right there to bread. You're asking bread where you're going to get bread. Some of you are asking the provider, where am I going to get the money from? Where am I going to get provision from? And you're staring it right in the face. Well, how am I going to get healed? I, I don't know what I'm going to do. Jesus is the healer, and you're looking it right in the face, right here in the Word of God. You're staring it in the face. Man, my family's falling apart. Where are we going to get help at? I don't know. You're, you're talking to the restorer and the healer, and you're looking him in the face, worried about where it's going to come from. If there is one thing that you've got going for you, it's that Jesus is on your side. Don't stare the bread of life right in the face and say, what are we going to do about bread? Because that should be the absolute least of your worries. That I don't get that. That doesn't make any sense to me. When we've got Jesus on our side, we've got Every single thing we need. Imagine you're playing a backyard game of basketball and you've got Michael Jordan on your team, the GOAT. Come on. Are you going to really be afraid? All you got to do is get the ball to him and you're going to win. When you are facing a battle in life, all you got to do is get it over to Jesus and you're going to win. Quit trying to do this on your own. And so Jesus, the bread of life, says, man, guys, you are really you don't even understand yet, do you? you I, he said, you've got hard hearts. You've got hard hearts. Now, that doesn't, that doesn't sound like something you want to say to somebody that's dealing with fear right now. Man, I'm just so afraid what's going to happen. Well, your problem is you've got a hard heart. You insensitive jerk. Why would you say that to me? Well, don't you remember the last time you were in a bad spot and Jesus brought you through? The only way that you keep forgetting all that Jesus did is if you've got a hard heart. That's not what you want to hear, but sometimes the truth hurts. And just because the truth hurts doesn't change the fact that it's true. And sometimes we forget things because of a hard heart, and that's what Jesus said to them. 
Now, I remember this guy when I, when I worked. I lived in Oklahoma, went to college there. And so one of my prestigious jobs was cleaning out self-storage units. I, I know people actually do that. Can you imagine that? That was my job. And so, but, but I worked with this guy that God had healed him. I mean, brought him up off of a deathbed of, of this of lymphoma cancer, right? Just like my dad had last year. But th- this guy, I mean, he was about dead. And so God brought him up off of it. And somebody said, you know, Man, what what if it ever came back? What what would you do? And and he's like, well, I don't know. I, I don't know what would happen if it ever came back. And this person said, wait, didn't Jesus heal you last time? Wouldn't he just do it again? Well, I don't want to just suppose things. I don't want to just I don't want to just assume. And I'm like, you don't want to just assume that the guy that healed you last time could do it again a second time. You know, I, I mean, seriously, the, 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 the person that showed up with bread, you don't assume that he's got any more bread. You think Jesus ran out of healing in heaven? You think there's a shortage of resources? Well, I know, I know, I know it says that, but this is 2020. You, we've got a crisis going on right here. Heaven's not facing a crisis right now. That's another kingdom. That's a, that's a whole other whole other realm right there. Heaven has not been affected at all by one thing that's happened on earth in 2020. Jesus is not running out of healing. He's not running out of money. He's not running out of love, joy, peace, or any other thing that he provides to us. Don't you remember? Don't you remember what he brought you through? Don't you remember what he did last time? Well, I know that was last time, but this is the biggest problem we've ever faced. Think about David for a minute. Teenage boy, David, he had, he had faced a lot of, you know, smaller battles, even though I don't think they're small, but facing a, you know, a, a bear and a lion. I mean, the guy beat down a bear with a stinking stick to save a sheep. That's some guts. But he comes up against Goliath, the biggest problem he's ever faced in his life. And maybe you're up against the biggest problem you've ever faced in your life. Well, what did David start doing? He started remembering the things that God had already done for him. Well, I mean, the same, I, I faced a, a bear and beat it. I, I, fa- I faced a, a lion and beat it. I, uh, I did this and I did that. Who's this uncircumcised Philistine? He's going down too. One of the greatest weapons you have is your memory. Start remembering the things that God's already done before. Start speaking out the things that God's already done before. And if you're like me, it doesn't take long of testifying to yourself to get real excited about the next testimony that's going to be coming really, really soon. You better testify. You better start remembering. You better start encouraging yourself about what God's already done in your life. When you don't remember what Jesus has already done, you become fearful, and you should not be fearful. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. If you've got a spirit of fear, it didn't come from God because he hasn't given you a spirit of fear. He's given you a spirit of power, of love, and a sound mind. And I'd rather have love, power, and a sound mind than fear any day of the week. My eyes better stay on Jesus, and I better remember what he's already done. And so when we forget what he's done, number one, we become fearful. Number two, you become unthankful. When you forget 
what Jesus has done for you, you become unthankful. And like it or not, there's a whole lot of unthankful people in this world that Jesus has done a whole lot for. They, I mean, I cannot tell you how many people I've seen Jesus do an absolute miracle. He brought their marriage back together. He brought their kids back home. He healed them. He provided a job. That, you know what? I'm just going to say it. One of the most frustrating things that I have seen in, in all my years, and I see it time and time and time, and I probably don't see anything more than I see this. Somebody, man, God, I need a job. Oh, my gosh, Lord, get me the job. And, 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 and so they start coming to church. They start seeking God. And lo and behold, they get the job of their dreams that they are not even qualified for. I've seen this a thousand times. And as soon as they get the job they want, they quit coming to church. I have seen that more times than I can count. I've got pictures of faces just scrolling through my mind right now of people. They got something that they totally could not have got on their own. They got it, and they're like, thank you, Jesus. Deuces, I will see you next time I need you. And they just walk off. How sad. Of a, I mean, what a, bad, what, a, what a bad example for your kids. What about it? Just, I mean, I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad, but I am. You should feel awful about that, that you only use Jesus as your sugar daddy when you need something, you come to him, and he doesn't hear from you until next time. He's more than that. He's more than that. I, I ought to love him whether things are going how I want or how they're, if they're not going how I want. I ought to love Jesus, and he should not only hear from me when I need something from him. He should hear from me every single day just to say, good morning, I love you. Thank you for yesterday. Thank you for the day before that. But when you forget what Jesus has done, you become an unthankful little brat. Luke chapter 17, Luke chapter 17. I'm not calling you that. I'm just saying I know a guy like that. I'm not, it's not personal to you. All right. But you, you know, Luke chapter 17. Man, we are going to have some fun at church today. I'm just, come on. Luke 17. We're going to look at verses 12 through 18. The famous story of unthankfulness that we share very often. Luke 17, verses 12 through 18. And here's Jesus, I mean, once again, just doing what Jesus does, showing up and changing lives. He still does it because, thank God, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Who's glad that Jesus still heals people? My God, I am thankful that Jesus hasn't changed. Wow. Luke chapter 17, we're going to look here at verses 12 through 18. It says, as he entered a village there, ten men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, all right, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. I mean, that's enough to just, that, that is powerful right there. But look at this. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet thanking him for what he had done. Now, this man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, wait a minute, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? 
has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner. Now, out of that story, you've heard it before, but, but wrap your mind around this, that Jesus heals 10 people of leprosy, and you're not familiar with leprosy because we live in this nice cushioned bubble known as the United States, but it still exists, and it is a horrific, gnarly, disgusting disease that will rot your flesh right off the bone, man. It is fatal. You die. It is awful and disgusting, and 10 guys have this disease, and Jesus instantly heals all 10 of them, but only one man stops and says, Thank you. Can you Im- imagine this? There's a, 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 a building burning on fire, and, 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 and people are trapped inside, and, and, and somebody runs in single-handedly and, and carries, carries them out, carries ten people out, ten people, right? And, and they're rescuing kids, and they, get, they put their life on the line, and nine of the people, they get out there and like, whoa, that was weird. <laughs> All right. Just go walk off like nothing ever happened, and only one guy says thank you. I would want to catch those nine people and toss them back. No, I wouldn't want to do that. But I would want to catch those nine and say, what's wrong with you? What is so wrong with you that it would be too hard to at least say thank you and mean it? And I see people that Jesus Laid it all on the line. He, he went down and pulled them up out of the ditch. He, he bandaged their wound. He healed them and made them whole, and they don't even remember it six months later. They don't even have enough within them to show up to his house and be with the family and, and, to, and to read his word and, and to obey what he said, to, to even say, man, Jesus, thank you. I love you so much. There's nobody like you, Jesus. I will never forget. That's a hard heart, a hard head, and a messed up spirit right there. That is messed up when Jesus would do something like that for you, and, and, and you aren't even thankful for the rest of your life. Well, no, I'm thankful. I just, I don't know, I, blah, 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 blah. Save it. You're not. If we were thankful it's not about perfection. It's not about trying to earn and, and, and pay Jesus back. You can never pay him back, so quit that right now. But we at least need to have the common decency to say thank you, to show up to, in his presence, to, to, to talk to him, to, to sing to him, to, to praise him, to give the sacrifice of praise even when we don't feel like it. He at least deserves that much for what he's already done for us. And I'm telling you right now that when we forget what he's done, we become unthankful. And so the story of the 10 lepers shows me two things. Most people are unthankful, possibly as low as 10%. One out of 10 said thanks. Now, I'm not going to, this isn't a scientific thing, but I think that as few as 10%, at least in Scripture right here, are genuinely thankful when Jesus actually does something big for them. And that's a sad thing to look at. And another thing this tells me is Jesus actually notices. Well, he's Jesus. Nothing hurts him. Jesus, he cares. He has emotions. We've seen him weep over Jerusalem. We've seen him weep over his friend Lazarus dying. We've seen Jesus show emotions and all sorts. He got angry. Jesus has emotions. He knows how to control them in a healthy way, thank God. But right here, 
Jesus in this situation, it had to hurt just a little bit because he said, wait, where's the, where's the others? And, and the guy that came back to give thanks was a foreigner. He's not even one of my people. He's not even Jewish. The only guy that said thank you out of ten. What's wrong with this story? Jesus notices who's thankful and who's not thankful. That's just, I don't know. That's not, that makes me think about it because the very last thing I want to do is hurt Jesus. And I mean that with all of my heart. I don't want to hurt anybody. You guys know how soft I am. You know, sometimes I try to act tough, but you see right through it. Listen, come, come on, listen. I don't want to hurt anybody, but the thought of bringing hurt to Jesus and saying, my gosh, he really hurt me today, man, with what he did right there. That, I, I love him, you know, but that, that really hurt. To think that I could do that to Jesus and say, wait a minute. I just, he didn't even say thank you. What's up with, uh, you know, I raised him better than that. I trained him better than that. His mom did a better job than that. Listen, I never, ever want to hurt Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God the Father. I don't want to hurt them, and I know that it's very possible to hurt them. I want to give thanks every day of my life for what he's already done for me, what he's going to do in the future. He deserves it more than anybody else does. Jesus, let me, let me show you here something in Psalm 30. Can we look at Psalm 30 real quick? This is what King David's attitude was. Now, we know that David is the only man in Scripture that God calls a man after my own heart. We're going to look at Psalm 30. Now, there's a lot of reasons that David could be called a man after God's own heart. We know he screwed up a lot, but... Yet in the end, God said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. Psalm 30, here's one reason why. Because David had no trouble remembering what God did for him. David was a master. He had a wonderful memory. He was constantly thanking God, praising God, bringing up things from his childhood. I mean, even as an old man, he said, I have been young and now I am old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging for bread. So David, all the way up into his old age, was still thanking God for things that God did in his childhood. David had a wonderful memory and constantly thanked God. But here we go. Psalm 30, verses 11 through 12, he says, You have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. You have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy that I might sing praises to you and not be silent. Oh, Lord, my God, I will give you thanks forever. Is there anybody here that at one point you were wearing your clothes of mourning? You were in stress and anxiety. You were grieving. You were in a bad spot. But Jesus came down, and he took those away and gave you the garment of praise. He gave you the, the, the clothing of joy. Jesus did that for you. You were, you were curled up in a ball crying, and Jesus picked you up and turned your mourning into dancing. He said, I will not be silent. That's why I don't believe in being silent in church. There's a time for being silent, but there's also a time to make a little noise for Jesus and say, thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. I can't repay you, but I can praise you, and I can give you everything that I am. And so David said, I will not be silent. I'm going to sing my praises to you. 
there's a time and there's a reason to make some noise in God's house and to give God some praise. And I can't take it to think of what he's done for me and to just sit there and be silent and not make some noise for Jesus. I love him so much. And so that's what David was doing right here. He said, I I remember what you did. I remember when I was living in a cave. I remember when I had entire armies chasing me down, and you have taken me out of that. You've turned my mourning into dancing. Some of you have come from some pretty bad situations. Not going to lie. I've heard your stories. I know you. Some of you have been pulled out of some messes. I know. Jesus turned your fear, your stress, your anxiety, your poverty, your sickness, your depression into joy. And I can't say thank you enough for that, Jesus. And so you may not have arrived yet. I say this all the time. You may not have arrived yet, but you've left where you used to be, and at least you're on your way. Amen? Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. And so I'm telling you right now that when you don't remember what Jesus did, you become fearful over stupid things like bread, and then you become unthankful for the miracles he's done. And then the third thing that happens when we forget what Jesus has done, number three is you become unfaithful. You become unfaithful. Now, this is a sad thing to look at. Uh, because people that forget what Jesus has already done, first of all, they're they're never satisfied with material things. They're always chasing down, I've got to have more money. I've got to have more cars. I've got to have, they're always chasing more things down. And what happens is when you begin to chase things, when you begin to chase things, blessings rather than the blesser, you become unfaithful. It's one of the saddest things to look at. And one thing, you know, a lot of times in marriages that have grown cold, it's not even because they hate each other. They just don't remember all the good times. They forget all the great things that have happened. They forget all the good times. And we need to never forget because you'll begin to become unfaithful If you were to look at your life and your marriage, and you were to write down a list of all the good things, man, how beautiful is that to remember all of the great times? We we were yesterday. I had to clean out my garage. I mean, I got to clean out my garage. My, you know, I wasn't I wasn't forced or anything. But Katie and I, we cleaned out our garage, and I'm looking through all these old pictures and. And I'm seeing, like, our, you know, high school graduations because we, we've been together since we were 17 years old, got engaged at 18, got married at 19, and we're s- still together. You know, praise God for that. It's been awesome. What an awesome ride. So God has tremendously blessed us, and I'm so thankful that I didn't have to go through a lot of this stuff, you know, that, that a lot of the world goes through. But I'm looking at all these old pictures, uh, her, her at her high school graduation and, 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 and all this stuff. I'm like, man, this is awesome. Never forget all the great things that God has done in your life and brought you through. And when you lose sight of that, that's when somebody starts to become unfaithful. They don't see the need for reading the Bible every day. They don't see the need for praying every day. They don't see the need for going to church all the time. Why? That's a heart issue. That's a hard heart. 
and you're becoming unfaithful. Now, unfaithfulness never starts in one big, one big decision. Unfaithfulness starts in little steps. It's always that way, right? I mean, it, it's always just one little step at a time. You start to back off and cool off a little bit at a time. The next thing you know, I mean, you're, just, you're, you're out there and you're gone. And what a sad thing to look at. But listen, we as people, who in here is Jesus? Jesus has been faithful to you. Let me just ask that. He's been faithful to you. I mean, if, if nothing else, we can agree on that, that he's been faithful. And I want to do my best to be faithful to him. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And that's cool that he said that to me. But you know what I want to say to Jesus? I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Lo, I will be with you always, even to the end of the world. I want to be able to say that to Jesus and mean it. He said it to me. I should be able to say that back to him. Now, throughout the Old Testament, the Israelites were notorious for hot relationship, cold relationship. One day, they're all in love with Jesus. The next day, they was God Almighty. The next day, they forget about him. They were in and they were out. They were on and they were off. They were, you know, if you were to ask them, what's your relationship status with God? It's complicated. I don't know what that means, but it's complicated. I mean, we're, just, we're going through this thing right now, and it's just we're trying to work it out. And I'm telling you right now, the only complicated thing is you. It's not God. If there's an issue, it's on my end because he doesn't have any issues, right? And so if there's a relationship issue, I better figure it out because it is not on God's end. And so in one of the strangest stories of the entire Bible there's a prophet in the Old Testament named Hosea, right? And maybe you've read the book of Hosea, and God's like, I've got a special calling on your life, Hosea. I'm going to use you as a public illustration of Israel and me, okay? So here's what I need you to do, Hosea. I'm asking you to go marry a prostitute. You know, just hear me out on this, Hosea. I'm going to marry – her name's Gomer. <laughs> I mean, it gets – it was weird enough, but – Gomer's, I hope your name's not Gomer, but if it is, your parents need slapped. But number two, it's this. I mean, a girl named Gomer. Where is this going? And so God's like, I need you to go down there, okay? You'll find her down here. Her name's Gomer. Propose and get married, okay? And we're going to use you as a public illustration of how Israel treats me. And so, sure enough, Hosea marries good old Gomer. And, and, and you know, they, they start their marriage. And wouldn't you know it, she's unfaithful. You know, who saw that coming? But she's unfaithful. Uh, she, she, you know, goes back and forth on her husband. And every time, uh, uh, Jose is like, you know what? I forgive you. I'll take you back. I promise I'll never do it again. And then she does it again. And so, and this keeps happening on and uh, go over and over again. And God says, okay, everybody. Everyone's like, what's wrong with that guy? Why doesn't he just dump her? Why doesn't he just walk away? What's wrong with Hosea? And God's saying, that's exactly what you people do to me. I take you back, I forgive you, I say, you know what, forget about it, that, that's the past, you know, let's just go to the future, and you do it again, and then you bat your eyes and apologize, and I bring you back, and I forgive you, and then you do it again, so don't make fun of Hosea when you're doing the exact same thing, except on a worse level, they'd hate to be Hosea, but my gosh, I'd even hate worse to be Gomer, right, <laughs> for a lot of reasons, but let's look at this. 2 Timothy 2.13, 2 Timothy 2.13, praise God. 
I pray the Lord speaking to you today, and we need to remember what he's done for us. Don't forget to remember because Jesus has been good to us. 2 Timothy 2.13, and this is the Apostle Paul, the last, the last stuff he ever wrote, the very last letter that we have that he ever wrote, he was just waiting for his execution. He was in prison waiting for his his final day there, and and here he is. So, you know, Paul's pretty serious in this book. I mean, he knows what's getting ready to happen. He's an older man now. He's writing to a young man, Timothy, and, and he gives them all this advice. He tells them what the world is going to be like in the end times, and if you were to read 2 Timothy 3 and 4, you would see a very detailed description of the world in 2020. I mean, Paul just painted a picture of exactly what the world will be like in 2020. In fact, one of the things he says in 2 Timothy 3 is people will be very ungrateful, Timothy. Just be ready for it. They're not going to be thankful people. Like, wow, what an end times prophecy. But look at this, 2 Timothy 2 and verse 13, and I absolutely love this verse because I can just hear Paul saying it and speaking it to Timothy. He says, Timothy, if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. Imagine that. that. This is one of the things I love most about our Heavenly Father. If we are unfaithful, he still remains faithful. Why? He cannot deny who he is. At his core, God is faithful. God's faithful, even when we don't deserve it, even when we've walked out, even when we have not been good to him, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. And so I'm challenging us today. I'm encouraging us. I am speaking to us right now. Don't forget to remember what God has done for you because we're just, I mean, there's a lot of stuff coming down the pike in the coming days and weeks and months, possibly years if we're here that long. There's a lot of stuff coming down the pike that could absolutely strike fear in your heart. And if you don't remember what God's brought you through, you will be paralyzed with fear and not know how to handle it. If you don't remember what God's done, there's going to be some difficult things come to this world and you're going to be so unthankful for what God's already done, you're just going to, you'll totally forget about all of it. And the very worst thing that could happen to you right now is that at this critical moment in history, you become unfaithful to God. That's a terrifying thought for me to think that right now, right when I need God the most, right when he needs me the most to be doing my job in this earth, that he would look down there and say, oh, there he goes again, unfaithful. He left me. He turned his back on me again. I was counting on him. Don't become unfaithful to Jesus right now. I often think about what it's going to be like when I hear that trumpet and, 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 and I see the sky split open and I see Jesus Christ, the Son of God, standing in the clouds saying, all right, it's time. Get out of there. Let's go. 
what am I going to be doing at that critical moment? What is he going to find me doing when he sees me? Am I going to be looking at something on my phone that I shouldn't be looking at? Oh, God, why did you come right now? Oh, Jesus, forgive me. I mean, that's just a word for some, especially some men, man. Don't be looking at junk you shouldn't be looking at on your stinking phone. That'll kill you, man. That'll destroy you. And I'm telling you, what, what, is he going to come back and say, what's he doing? What, oh, my gosh. And I'm with a group of people I shouldn't even be with. Oh, Jesus, come back tomorrow. Just go back. Come back tomorrow. What am I going to be doing when Jesus comes back? Am I going to be faithful or am I going to be unfaithful? One last verse here, James 5, verses 19 through 20. James 5, verses 19 through 20. But I want to promise Jesus today, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will be with you forever. You can count on me, Jesus. James 5, verses 19 and 20. And James, the half-brother of Jesus, said this, My dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back from wandering will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. And so that tells me in no uncertain terms that it's totally possible for somebody that once was in relationship with Jesus to wander off and walk away. Well, he said he'd never leave me, and he never will. But some people leave him. Well, is my salvation secure? Is it eternal? It's absolutely secure. Jesus is never going anywhere. He's not leaving you, but it is possible for you to let go and leave him. And the good news is it says right here that if the brothers and sisters will restore that person, they are saving that person and bringing them back into the family, and they still get to go to heaven someday. They still get to have their sins forgiven. And so I'm going to ask us this morning, let's go ahead and stand up together. Let's go ahead and stand up together. And I'm praying that we've heard the word today. I'm praying that you've received this. I mean, I, there's, I, do, I do not want to put God's word out there and someone just, eh, you know, whatever. This is the word of God. People have died so I could have this in my language. People have been tortured to pass this down for the last couple thousand years. You better love the Word of God. You, it's not enough to like the Bible. You better love the Bible in this day and age. You better love this. It's Jesus talking to us. And so I just want to encourage us this morning that if any of those things hit home to you, man, you need to talk to God right now. I'll get around to it. That's what someone with a hard heart says. They say, I'll get around to it. You need to get around to it right now. You need to talk to Jesus right now. And so I'm going to ask Josh and Katie Brady to lead us in a little bit of worship right here this morning. And we're going to sing to God. And I am I'm encouraging you, man, talk to Jesus. Maybe, maybe things are good. You need to, I, I challenge you right now, man, start digging up some old testimonies. Jesus, I remember that time we thought this was going to happen, but no, you brought us through. You need to remember what he did. You do not want to be an unfaithful Christian in 2020, 2021. You do not want to go there because it's going to lead you to a man. 
that you have no business being with. Let's go ahead. Sing to the Lord for a minute. I'm going to invite you. I'm going to say goodbye to our internet audience there. If you need to come.